This is Walker Lukens, and you are listening to... Let me explain to you what we do here at The Song Confessional. We record people telling us anonymous stories. And we give these anonymous stories, uh, we call them confessions. We give them to bands and songwriters who then write an original song based on someone else's confession. On this podcast, you will hear the confession, you'll hear the song it inspired, and an interview with the songwriters. I'm sitting here with my favorite brother from another mother. Tell him your name. What's up, guys? I'm Zach Catanzaro. And do you, do you have any... Uh, present company excluded like brothers from other mothers an odd, an odd amount actually. yeah all my brothers are from other mothers yeah that checks out that's like a little country song <laughs> <laughs> all my brothers from other mothers man several ways to take a song called all my brothers from other mothers it could be this like beautiful the nuclear family is over ballad mm. you know about uh, patched work together, family some support system, mm. which is kind of what our confession is about. Pretty on point. Yeah, yeah. Our confession will blow your mind today. We we it's going to blow your mind when you listen to it. We took this last summer at Newport Folk Festival. Um, you hear the faint sounds of Kevin Morby in the background. Yeah, just kind of crushing a Harry Nielsen cover right out of the gates. Yeah, but don't let don't get too distracted because. This confession is amazing, and in terms of confessors that I uh, would follow as a pupil, she is up there with... She's the only one. (laughs) It's a... I mean, there's three twists in there. You think you know what the story's about at least two times before you're like, oh, this is the point of the story. It's, It's one of the best we've ever had. If this confession were an action movie, it would have a shitty rating. Because it would be like, just make up your mind, man. What is this movie about? But it'd be a cult classic. Agreed. Completely. Like Point Break. Yes. This is, yeah. Yes. And it would definitely star Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze in their prime. Dang. Oh, Swayze. Yeah, Swayze. What a guy. Even just thinking about Patrick Swayze in his prime makes me swoon a little bit. Do you think about him like lifting you over your head lifting me up where we belong yeah dude that's what i think about okay and we're fucking he's carrying me around a lake in upstate new york and it's beautiful where did he get all those really good high-waisted pants that's what i want to know i just wish i could have asked him where he got those pants (laughs) and those abs well i know where he got the abs but hard work hard work determination the roadhouse (laughs) well we we can also say that the the theme song to uh to this fantastical movie based on this confession would be written by Wild Child, our band today. Uh, Wild Child is from Austin, Texas. We know them from mostly running amok. I think that's the True. phrase, running amok. It's that we we do know them quite well. They have taken us on tour in the past. You just recently produced Alexander's first solo album. That's true. Is it's, that a secret? Uh, I don't know. I mean, not anymore. Not anymore. So, uh, yeah, I, I did produce Alexander's record. He is an old friend. I will say a, a fun little anecdote for you, how I discovered Wild Child. Um, way back in 2010, maybe, m- yeah, 2010, December 2010, I was making 
a uh, EP with my friend Andy Lane. Andy Lane had a band called Grandchild. So Grandchild and me were making a an EP and we decided to record it at my mom's house in Houston over Christmas break. I was a teacher, so this is when I had time off. So in uh, Houston, in Houston, Christmas break, teacher mom's house. That's yep. a different life. <laughs> yeah, completely. A wholly completely different. I ate that person. That person <laughs> it is looks inside, like it. I literally <laughs> ate him. I am who I am now because I ate that person named Walker Lukens in December 2010. So Andy Lane comes over to. Uh, my house with his grandchild bandmate, Alexander Beggins, who is one half of Wild Child. The other half is Kelsey Wilson. So he comes over, he plays accordion and ukulele and all sorts of cute instruments that you can carry under one arm while you drink a tequila soda with the other. Basically the criteria for Zandy's songwriting experience. 100%, yes. So he comes over and I, I'm like, you know, I'm getting to know this guy. We're like working on these songs. And uh, we at some point we leave uh, to go like drink a beer somewhere. You know, suburban Houston is not exactly a hotbed for nightlife. But we leave and we're in the car. And this guy, Andy Lane, says, hey, you should check out Alexander's band he just started. It's called Wild Child. And he played me a demo. It was a song called Simple Things. It kind of blew my mind. And it's it, a little bit made me sad because I was like, shit, that song's so good. What's all this stuff we're working on that's not that <laughs> good? So it did cause me actually to uh, write some better songs. Consider changing your name to Stepchild. I could still make Stepchild. Stepchild, it's a good addition. Yeah. You got Wild Child, Grandchild. You're stepchild. kind of coming in the fold a little late. Stepchild. Well, you should go back to that guy I ate in 2010 yeah, and tell suggest him. I got a good idea for you, Griffin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Subsequently, they have put out four full-length records. They have toured North America countless times, sometimes with us opening for them, other times opening for Dr. Dog, The Head and the Heart, Matt and Kim. Uh, Wild Child is a very successful project and if you've never checked out their music i can honestly say a great way in is this song they wrote for us called going in uh my next suggestion would just go to their most listened songs and start there before you hear this awesome song that they wrote and before you hear the interview with lead singer kelsey wilson you have to hear this unbelievable confession This week's confession takes so many twists and turns, you'd think we were a podcast about roller coasters. Maybe you'd think we were a podcast about ant farms. You might even think we're a podcast about a bowl of spaghetti. Yeah, I said it. From horror story setup to a lifetime finish, will we ever hear more genuine surprise out of Walker? Scary, shocking, heartbreaking, and life-affirming, this confession takes you everywhere. Well, without further ado, here's our confession. Confession. So, when I, I was 18, and it was my senior year of high school, and it was the springtime, right before Easter, and like the week of spring break after Easter, and my English teacher gave us this project to kind of keep all of the seniors entertained until the end of the school year, and he said, you can pick any 
Shakespeare play that you want and put it to any theme and perform it in front of the class and it's due after spring break. So my girlfriends and I were like, let's do Romeo and Juliet with like a Chicago prohibition style theme. <laughs> and one of my friends, Val, said, come over to my house this weekend and we'll watch the Romeo and Juliet movie to get some inspiration. And over the course of the next couple of days, that plan turned into, let's all get together at my house. Maybe we'll put the movie on, but I'll have my boyfriend come over who's older from another town nearby, and I'll invite some of his older friends over and we'll have a party. So Val planned this party to be the Saturday night before Easter. And the only way that my parents would let me sleep out on the Saturday night before Easter was if I lied, of course. So I'm like, oh, we have this project due, and oh my gosh, how could my English teacher make this due the Monday after spring break? So we have to all get together on Saturday night and work on this all night so we're all ready, you know, after spring break to put this play on on Monday morning. So we get there and we're all crammed into Val's bedroom and, you know, smoking pot, whatever, drinking, and there's this one guy there and he's kind of magnetic and charismatic and kind of the life of the party kind of person. How many people how many people were there? There's maybe like ten of us, like okay. packed into her bedroom. Okay. You know, and so this guy Josh is there and I haven't met any of these guys before. Again, they're like older from another town, whatever, and and Josh then like disappears for a while. And I notice he's gone, but you know, it's not a big deal. And and eventually my friend's boyfriend Jose comes over and Jose says to me, you know, Josh really needs to talk to you. Could you like go meet him down the hall? And I'm like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to leave a party with guys I don't know. Like I know better than that. I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, go follow Josh down the hall. And Jose says, no, 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 no. He really needs to talk to you. He has somebody on the phone for you and he wants you to talk to them. And I'm like, okay, this is the weirdest way I've ever been tried to pick up be picked up before yeah um but you know i'm within screaming distance of everybody else so if something strange starts to happen then i can scream so i go down the hall and josh is waiting for me and he leads me into the bathroom and i'm starting to get pretty nervous now and he says i've got somebody on the phone for you and my first thought is like, maybe it's my cousin because my cousin kind of lives in the area where a lot of these guys are from. So who knows? I don't know what I'm going to hear when I take this guy's cell phone. So we're in the bathroom. He shuts the bathroom door. I sit down on the toilet. I pick up the phone and I hear my dad. Whoa. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm fucked if I can say that on whatever. Yeah. Yeah, um, Josh is a spy. My parents have hired him to follow me around, and now my parents know that I'm, like, you know, intoxicated on the Saturday night before Easter when I'm supposed to be doing, like, a stupid school project, and I'm so screwed. And the next thing that I hear my dad say is, a long time ago, and I look at Josh, and my dad doesn't have to say anything else, and I know that he's my brother. Whoa. Whoa. And so... I immediately like start bawling, you know, and I'm like, dad, just don't tell mom and let me stay out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
I'll be home tomorrow. You know, we'll figure this all out tomorrow. And so the rest of the night, everybody's like crying and smoking blunts. And we're all like feeling like we're in this lifetime movie where I meet my long lost half brother at a party, you know. And so the next morning I get home and my family's getting ready for church. And of course, my dad had told my mom and she's like, oh, my poor baby, you know, like, and I'm like, don't even talk to me, you know, go to church. We're going to figure all the, this out later. And so, you know, I come to find out that four years before I was born, when my dad was seeing my mom, but they weren't married yet, he got another woman pregnant and there was a lot of contention between, you know, the women and the decision was made to have Josh raised by his mother and have my dad start a family with his soon-to-be wife. And my dad would see my brother Josh periodically over the course of his life, but he was never a part of my life, me and my two younger brothers. We had no idea that he existed. And wow. Josh knew that, you know, his dad lived in and his dad had three children one of which was named and that's me and relatively unique name so when I introduced myself to Josh that night at the party he immediately left and called my dad and said okay it's happening and so when Josh saw you at that party like he must have talked to your dad about this possibly happening right do you know what I'm saying because your father seemed like he was he was ready to deal with it I don't know exactly what the conversation was because Josh was still four years older than me yeah. and he lived a couple towns away so it just so happened that we were both like in groups of friends that partied a lot and had a lot of mutual friends so I don't know my parents did say to me that they had talked about like the reveal you know and and the conversation had been well when they're little they won't really understand and then it you know 18 years go by and it's like well is now the right time is now yeah. the right time and you just continue to go about your life and you know I'm sure it was hard for my mom too to yeah, know that course. he was the you know child of this infidelity so it's it's complicated but yeah. that's why I was so glad to have the power in that situation in a way like my parents never had to tell me we met and I kind of was able to be the one to say I'm going to seek out a relationship with this person yeah. if you're okay with that that's great and it was so beautiful how naturally he was just like welcomed in and I got to be the one to tell my little brothers mm -hmm. like my parents were like oh how do we tell the boys now you know because I was 18 Mitch was 17 and Jack was 14 or 15 and mm -hmm. so I was like I'll tell them I'm gonna take them out for ice cream and tell them this story like I'm partying you know and just like I told you kind of like and Lo and behold, this guy sitting across from me, I look at him as soon as my dad says, a long time ago, you know, and I'm like, you're a f you've got my dad and my cousins and like you, we are related. We are of the same tribe, you know, I could just tell. Yeah. And so I told them that story and my youngest brother was like dumbfounded. You know, the 14 year old was just like, what, what are you saying? And my 17 year old brother, who's so sweet, he was like, just so... He just felt so much guilt. Like, I grew up with a dad that coached my soccer team and took me camping and taught yeah. me all these wonderful things and f gave us a stable home. And, like, here's this other guy who is of the same blood and had such a different relationship. Yeah. You know, and there was that guilt there. And, of course, it's not our fault, but that's how he processed it. And now they're, like, super close and they go skiing and snowboarding together and hang out. And so it's really turned into a wonderful thing. And, and then... 
two years ago when I was pregnant with my son who's gonna be two next month so I was six months pregnant and my youngest brother Jack was struggling with a really bad heroin addiction and Josh the brother who I met had recently been diagnosed with two forms of very aggressive and rare leukemia um, and my dad was gonna be his bone marrow donor the cops showed up at my house and told my brother Mitch that my dad had killed himself and so my sweet like amazing brilliant artistic father in the midst of all of this that was going on in my family at the time very uncharacteristically took his own life and the only thing that we can think about is that he like had a breakdown you know yeah. I'm so sorry to hear that thank you it's okay I share it now because in a weird way like of course I'm not glad that that happened to my family and my dad but I can now be like a more compassionate person you know and when I, I a lot of that started with when I met Josh when I was 18 on the cusp of going to college I meet this brother it was the first like huge life event that I could choose how I wanted to feel about it you know like I yeah. could either be really resentful to my parents who kept this guy out of our lives who kept this brother away from me and my little brothers who grew up without a dad, without a stable household, and had really struggled. Or I could choose to take it from that moment forward and form a relationship with Josh and choose to be happy that I met him and not angry with my parents. And that's the path I took. I was like, this is between Josh and I now, we're going to have a relationship. I'm so glad we met. And then he naturally became a part of the rest of my family. And so similarly, like with my dad taking his life, I can either be like, oh my god, like what kind of asshole kills himself while his daughter is pregnant with the first grandchild and like there's heroin addiction and leukemia and all of this crazy stuff happening. Or I can be like, you know, I'm a better person because of all of that and I see the best things about my dad and all of my brothers and I see the best things about all of my brothers a reflection of my dad and like in a weird way I feel very fortunate. Mm -hmm. um, so... My family's been able to support Josh through his leukemia, and the, the four of us planned this beautiful celebration of life for my dad. Like, people, we had basically, like, a beautiful ceremony for my dad, and it was very unlike a typical, you know, funeral. My mom, like, immediately was just like, oh, I guess I call the funeral home, you know, and I'm like, mom... The boys and I will take care of it. And Josh was a huge part of that. Like, we just had a wonderful celebration. And I think it's changed the way that a lot of people in our community of families and friends think about what to do for their own loved ones when they pass, you know? So it's weird, again, to say, like, all of this terrible stuff happened, but I'm doing okay. We're all okay, you know? Well, well the thing I like is it sounds like your response, like, set the tone for your family, which yeah. was, like, you kind of responded with love. Like, oh, I'm just seeing all the things that, like, having this brother I didn't know about, like, adds to my life. Exactly. And so, it, it you know, when you're describing your brother's reactions, like, it is amazing that you led the charge and, like, it, it didn't, um, it didn't have to be this, uh, your reaction being so positive probably made it easier for your younger brothers to follow suit, ultimately, you know? And I think so. And with, and with Josh, I mean, it, it's... Again, it's like your your parents, so the three parents in the situation, it's like all of their drama could just as easily have driven you apart, but instead it's like 
Yeah, just kind of a really loving, gracious response of like, holy shit, we have another sibling. Instead of it being like, oh, this is weird and different, it's like you just, you're just adding more like love and family. Exactly. That's totally how yeah. I felt about it. Like growing up as the big sister my whole life, taking care and, you know, being that like nurturing older sibling to my two younger brothers, it's like, oh, it would be cool to have like a big brother one day who like watches out for me. Yeah. And, and not that that's why I accepted Josh into my life, but that yeah. was a really cool part of it. Like you're saying, we have this other sibling. Let's all be friends. Let's yeah. hang out. Like two weeks after we met, Josh and I took a road trip down to Georgia and went kayaking. It was like, let's make up for lost time and yeah, that's really get cool. to know each other and the family. And, and again, it was so powerful at 18 years old to be like, here's this opportunity. Like, you know, what had I had to decide before that? That was so, such a huge thing. Yeah. And that has, again, like I think set the tone for a lot of like spiritual work that has been a part of my life since then. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing. Totally. And, uh, and yeah, I, that was a really, really amazing. It was really a joy listening to you speak. Thank you. It was great to do this. When I saw this, I was like, oh, I totally have a story. Yeah, you, <sighs> definitely, you definitely have a story. Uh, thank you. And I hope you have a great rest of the festival and good luck with everything. You too. Now here's Going In by Wildchild. I ask for another way home. You say there's just one way to go home. But I hope that isn't true. I didn't do Play.
I'm talking with Jim Eno, who mixed this wonderful track by Wild Child. Man, that is a lovely song. Yeah, it's great. Why Why do you think that song is so powerful or effective? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I mean, one of the things that struck me when I got the session to mix is just how few tracks there were um, in this song. Uh, and when you say few tracks, I mean, you mean like there are very few instruments or sounds in it. Yeah, yeah? very few instruments and sounds. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, I mean, what is there since you mixed it? What did we just listen to? We heard a ukulele and we heard Kelsey's voice and some of her background voices. What else do we hear? Um, it starts with ukulele and golf claps and snaps. And then... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I love how it's labeled uh, golf claps because they actually sound that way. Um, then the lead vocal comes in. Then there's there's a Wurlitzer keyboard, and then bass, and then some percussion comes in. Floor tom, cymbals, tambourine, um, background vocals, and then there's a triangle one hit at the very end of the song, and that's really it. It's it's really cool because. The song is so strong and so powerful, yet the instrument count is so low. It it does make it powerful somehow. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if the lack of instruments or sort of how sparse the arrangement is makes it more powerful in some sense. Yeah, you know, like you hone in on her voice more. Maybe. Exactly. Right. Everything is is um, plays like a really nice supporting role to the song you know, and to the vocal. I'm always impressed when I talk to a band and I'm like, oh, how'd you guys make that? And, you know, Kelsey and Alexander are like, oh yeah, we wrote it in like an hour or two. Oh, like, wow. oh, damn. How'd you, re- how'd you record it? And they're like, well, me and Kelsey were in Austin and we did the ukulele vocal and then they sent it to Tom in Nashville and he said he spent an hour or two adding all that stuff. And then, you know, by the time I heard it, it just sounded like them, it sounded complete. Because everything yeah. everything was recorded really well too. I thought ukulele sounded really cool and the voice sounded great. Well, what was the the challenge of mixing this song? It's a good question, but I really on this one I really don't think there was too much of a challenge. It was it was more um, uh, I I would call it like just balancing, you know, like um, thinking in my head what a good level for like the claps and snaps, which is essentially a driving rhythm with respect to the ukulele and the vocal. You know, getting that balance together, I feel like was, you know, it didn't take me long, but, you know, that was, when something's very sparse, you know, everything has its space and everything can be really loud, but sometimes you have to tone it down, you know, to to make it feel good. uh, One thing that I think really works on this song uh, and it's in the the arrangement, but also in the mix, is the moment where the the bass actually comes in. I'm not sure if it's a Wurlitzer first or if it's the bass guitar. Yeah, the Wurlitzer comes in first. Yeah, the Wurlitzer. So it's such a powerful moment in the song. Yeah. And a lot of times, uh, I've noticed uh, people tend to over EQ or overbalance the song. And take away the power of that moment. Oh, right, yeah. It, you know, and I think it it really preserved from the uh, the rough mix that they made to the mix that I heard that you made. It's just like, it's such a powerful, cool moment. So yeah. subtle. 
Yeah, and it's it's surprising because I think that comes in at the second verse, and and you've already heard, you know, verse, chorus, and everything, and it's a surprising moment, even though it's just a, you know, a nice chord on a Wurlitzer. But um, yeah, yeah. So trying to make that loud and make that sort of, you know, envelope the entire track was was something I did. Well, you're going to hear uh, more details about writing this song in Zach's interview with Kelsey. Interview. Congrats on your release yesterday, New Sir Woman song. It's really good. Thank you good. very much. Thank you. Um, I, it's hard to put out a funny shit, but um, I just, you know, just whatever. Yeah, it sounds like you're having a ton of fun. It sounds, it sounds like super honest. Mm, very, very. What are, are you are you working with any particular producers with that project, or is it all you? Yes. Or how, how, yeah, how is that working for uh, you? Uh, Matt, well, Matt Pence, who's out in Denton, he has produced all of the recordings. Um, he's just a dear friend and a wizard and my favorite. Um, but so far, like when making the record, I just i I just called on every artist I've ever wanted to work with before but cool. didn't get to because of the bands I was in or whatever. Yeah. You seem like you have a, uh, a natural ability to bring kind of different people together. It's like similar with, you know, Glorietta. I've over yeah. the years, I've seen a very like interesting rotating cast in wild child. It's been a few years since you've had too many, too much changeover, but all of, all of the members I've seen come in and out of wild child have been like very interesting and capable and creative in their own right. And you definitely yeah. have this ability of like, getting a really a really strong reach where where does that come from um well initially it came from insecurities on my part like i wasn't about to bring a song that just i wrote to the table and like play it by myself like still to this day i have never played a solo show really never i just like i just you know but as far as like bringing people together with wild child it literally was like all of our friends that were just in the room, it was like, okay, you guys are the band now. We even had members that didn't really play instruments and they learned instruments to be in the band. I love that. It was just like, it was ultimate family friend vibe, which is why over the years we like had so much switch up. Cause like as the music got more and more complicated and wild child kept growing and growing, it was like, Oh fuck. Like <laughs> we actually we gotta get we gotta become a real band this is working yes. like i i didn't call myself a singer until this past year it was like okay yeah this is my job you think but until branching- then it's just like i just sing like i sing with my friends and i i drink because i'm nervous when i sing and mm-hmm. but i don't take it seriously like i don't do warm-ups if i did warm-ups i would be a real singer but now <laughs> yeah. i'm like Fuck! I can't hit those notes. I gotta anymore. warm up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta. I actually have to take this seriously now. That's really great. Mm-hmm. I guess we should talk about the confession, Sam. Yes. In your own words, what would you say this confession is about? Because it's kind of a crazy one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I wish I had re-listened to the confession before this conversation. <laughs> no but worries. I, Based. Okay. I, even better. Instead of rehashing the confession itself, just how it related to your song, the story that you decided to tell in the song. Okay. You could, uh, you could take that approach, this, so this, no problem. This was um, a pretty bold choice on our part, but it is 
what stuck out in the party, like, in the story, I mean, the basic story from what I remember was this high school girl meets a guy in at a party, and he's like, come with me to the bathroom, I have to tell you something, and she's like, very weird, okay, and he's like, I'm your brother, and he finds out, she finds out about this alternate life, her dad lived, and all these secrets are outed, and that, that's the crazy part of the story, he's like, I met my brother at a party, it's crazy, and then... Uh, a couple years later, her father killed himself. Yeah. And I mean, out of all that, it was like I just was just thinking about this this man who, like, like you will never know exactly what was going on in his head. You just won't. He had like an alternate secret life. Um, he was seemingly happy and healthy, and just killed himself out of nowhere just like how much mystery around this one human being how little how little we actually know about someone else's experience on this earth that like we really don't know shit about one another even someone as close to you as your father yeah um and i just couldn't stop thinking about that man and it was like the only thing you can do is paint this picture of like what you think they were going through that hurts the least it's like, here's here's what I think he would want to say to me. Here's how I want him to explain this situation. And it kind of... Um, and both Alexander and I had lost family members very recently uh, at the same time before hearing this story. So it was like... It, that, it became that. It was like, what would we want to hear from them? Um of like why they did that, why that happened. And so the song became a, like, I'm sorry. It is my time to go. It doesn't mean I don't love you. Like, mm. I know you have what it takes to get through this life. I don't. Like, I'm just, I'm going in. It's just like, yeah, this is what's happening. This is, it's my time. And it just kind of, uh, an explanation, a goodbye, uh, like something that made us feel better about what we were going through and hopefully would bring, I mean, and this is a big statement, but hopefully would bring her some kind of peace. I think that it, the, the chances are very high. That's, that is the feedback we frequently get is that, um, con- confessors are always overwhelmed with joy with the songs that you know okay. you guys write well, so, I, I hope so yeah, it was it's, definitely I mean, the, an emotional one I it, was like, it is emotional <laughs> and it, the song sounds absolutely beautiful I I would be shocked if we got any feedback besides that you know that she really enjoyed it also because the way that she was able to process that trauma the way her whole family has she is yeah, unbelievably she, strong she has such a good yeah. head on her shoulders and just like She's turned, amazing. She's amazing. She just turned the whole thing as positive as you possibly can. And it was just, she, she was so inspiring. I feel like listening to that story just, you know, teaches me what kind of person I'm trying to be in a way. Yeah. Listening to her describe, I was thinking about the reactions I would have to finding out my dad had a secret family. And I don't, I don't know. I was just like, she is, she's present. What a strong. Yeah capable human being and she didn't even even the way she was talking about yeah her experience with her father and his eventual suicide was like how are you what what do you mean that's not a story what are you talking about i know it's so true 
the part that really stuck with me is like when she she kind of starts by apologizing almost because she's just she's like oh I don't want to sound like I'm thankful that this happened of course I didn't want my dad to kill himself mm-hmm. but in the same sentence she's like it it has made her family stronger and closer than ever and she sees yeah. the and she sees the the value in that and the appreciation for that on such an intense level that she's uh, yeah she's like I don't you know uh, you wouldn't wish this but at the same time I it almost seems like she wouldn't take it back either because of what has no. happened since. You know? it, yeah, it's so that I mean, suffering is just the, the, so important. That's another reason this year is so important. Like this, this suffering, this struggle, this strip of the future is just—it's just so important. That perspective. And it brings people together like nothing else will. Losing a family member, it just... I, I, I lost a sister before, not too long ago. I'm so sorry um, for that. It's it's okay. It's literally brought my... Like, just like she was saying. And I, I lost her after we wrote this song. And it was actually kind of cathartic for me to record this song. Um after her passing because I forgot we wrote the song we wrote we just like heard the story blew our minds wrote the song and then forgot about it and then it was like oh we need to record the song uh and then so went back into the studio and like brought the song back up and was like whoa it means something totally different to me now I actually understand what the fuck I was talking about five months ago (laughs) like this is crazy um but I feel what she was talking about, about how close it brings your family and what a, like, everybody that's here for however long they're supposed to be here is a teacher. And their death ultimately is the final lesson. That's the big lesson um, that mm. they give to their community, to their families, to their loved ones, um, is their passing. It's just the... and our experiences with death our brushes with death are there's no experience like it that's to some small extent a breakup or a divorce a little bigger and then the death is like that opens your eyes to where you are to what you have to who you love it just it's so valuable it is and yeah and those that are here for a shorter time it's just they're just the ultimate teachers that's their that's their job here that's yeah. the path that they've chosen, and it's so important. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I've also experienced a decent amount of loss in my life, and it is it is those moments that I mean make make you the person you become. And if you end up happy with that person, you you don't want to trade them because those lessons were so important. And it doesn't it time time does not change impact. You know, no, uh, the amount no, no, of no. time that someone's in your life. Like you said, sometimes the ones that are here for a shorter period of time are the biggest teachers and and leave you with the biggest lessons. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And what Absolutely. what timing? I thank you for sharing that about about your personal experience. I had no idea that that was going on while you were, you know, dealing with this subject matter from someone else. Is it was it was exactly as it was supposed to be. It yeah. was like such a a cathartic experience that I mean. So in, uh, yeah, yeah, in a yeah. way, you still got to kind of write from your perspective, like you're used to almost. It wasn't necessarily just writing 
someone else's story, even though at the moment that you wrote it, it, it was that a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, it seems like that you were, you know, you, your instincts were still coming out of you, whether you realized it in the <laughs> yeah. moment or not. That's very true. I didn't even, uh, yeah, that was the first challenge to write a song, not from my perspective. And I was horrified. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it is crazy that it worked out that way. Like, yeah, oh, it, it, it definitely worked out. It, it seems like, uh, family is obviously important to you. It's important to most people. Um, but you also have this sense of kind of extended family and I've been fortunate enough to meet your dad. He's unbelievably kind and giving and sharing. I've actually developed a friendship with your brother too. Your, your family is all like, you guys are embracers. You, you really like, absolutely. you really absolutely. like to bring people into the clan. Is that something that is just always been there is that that's just the kind of people you are what what is that difference like what is that willingness for chosen family outside of the bloodline i just i just think the bigger i mean i have six brothers and sisters and the i just think the bigger the family the better has always been how i feel and we always like we had the six kids but then each of us had our like two or three best friends that were always at the house Mm -hmm. and we grew up on a river where there's like kids in the backyard across the river and downstream and down the road and, and we homeschooled. So it was just like, you just adventured around and made new friends and brought them home and yeah. played all. It was just like, that's just what life is about. And that still hasn't changed. I feel like my, just my job here to kind of tie it into like bringing artists together I feel like a lot of my purpose in this incarnation, whatever, in this fucking simulation that we're a part of currently in this <laughs> form is to bring people together in any way possible. So maybe yeah. it's bringing people together through music to whatever, celebrate song, bring people to create, just make this just make people feel more connected than they do because we are all exactly the same and we come from the same place and we're going to go back to the same place. Yeah. So, and that is something that my parents have both always talked about and lived that way. And, uh, yeah. And my family, my family still, we're all so close. We all live within like five minutes of each other. The ones in Austin and the ones in Oregon all live within five minutes of each other. And we just, just keep building it's just so it's just the most important thing yeah yeah it really is i i i've brought that up mainly because i sense like that a serious similarity in between you and the confessor because just her her reaction when she found out she had a half brother was instantly just like oh more people to love more family that's great you know that's just like nothing but positivity bring more people into the fold and i Uh i feel like in a in another world you guys would probably be pretty good homies. <laughs> I don't maybe in maybe in this world. Maybe in know. this world, you never know. You never know. But yeah, it's I think that community is it's I love seeing that from artists. I like seeing that from you and I I love being around that. It's one of the reasons that I do still love the Austin music community because there is a sense of that here more than a lot of other places we go. Yeah, it's supportive. It is. It's support. I mean, I feel like if I see a band that I, I love those people, I love the music, they get like a fucking taping or they get to open a sold out show or whatever, or they got a sold out show or whatever. It's always just like, yeah, like I, I think there's this false idea that 
that I don't know what it is that plants it. Maybe it's fucking society in general, but that there's not enough for everyone to go yeah, around. Limited resources, so it's all competition limited all the time. Yes, but that's just not true. If one of us can do it, then we can all do it. It's, there's no, like, it's, we all win when one of us wins. It's just like, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Part of why I connect with it so much, the confessor, she, she's just in this place with her parents, her flawed, normal, or, you know, flawed human parents um, that I've been very happy getting to in the last few years, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, seeing them as people and, and respecting and appreciating the bond I do have with you know, my mom still alive, my dad's dead, but the bond and the relationship that's there in all of its humanity, you know? And and she, and, and she does, she's just such a beautiful spokesperson for that. Yeah. That frame of mind. You know, am I making any sense? Yeah, I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. It, it's, um, yeah, getting, getting past the parental superhero complex takes a long time. It's like part of yeah, the journey. And a lot of people don't it's even. It's part include, of everyone's journey. Yeah, but a lot of people don't realize it, or don't work towards it, or don't really see it. And I think that, I mean, at, at least for me, you know, the last few years I had with my mom were amazing because we saw each other as people, as adults, accepted the flaws, appreciated all the great things. Um, but accepting the flaws is, is I think, just the biggest part that for some reason we struggle with that with our parents like we expect them to be this mythical creature that is impossible when they're just you know a couple of people that got knocked up and did the best they could <laughs> yeah i mean inherently yeah. Uh, yeah yeah most most parents you know in the in the ideal sense are just doing the best they can and that includes a lot of fuck-ups and mistakes and it means so much to us as a kid and becomes part of our identity and we hold these weird grudges and things and um yeah just getting past that and and accepting them for who they are is i mean it's a magical moment for sure yeah i guess i just don't really think like in any way shape or form i i I don't fault people for having that attitude as a default attitude about their parents, which is, you know, holding them to a different standard than normal well, it's an relationships. In- and it's an inherent attitude that obviously you're going to have to some point in time in your life. Mm-hmm. There's no way to grow up without that relationship. Totally. But, but it is, it is a, uh, it is an interesting process. Um, I mean, I know for both of us, it was, it was accelerated yeah, by, by parents, by our, you know, our dad's passing away. Um, but it, I don't know. There is this kind of beautiful tr- uh, space you can get to on the other side of it where it just feels like, you know, such a deeper appreciation for what matters. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even us both having been through that journey on our own, it's still inspiring to hear this confessor talk about it. 100%. Because she is just, like, I mean, you said it perfectly. She's such a wonderful spokesperson mm-hmm. for for acceptance, for empathy, and, you know, for 
finding those silver linings and the good in all the shitty situations because they're going to happen. We're going to we're going to have some sort of tragedy in life. Everybody will. If you haven't yet, you are lucky as shit because you will. Yeah, in, in, in such a uh, such a good example or um, such a positivist view of what family is. Yeah, and what it matters. You know, I one thing I can't help but think a lot about um, these days. You know, it's like when you see that couple in St. Louis with the guns outside of their house, Ugh. it's like there's this there's this part of family, the idea of family, the tribal sort of, you know, 100 years ago idea of family where it's like you're part of a clan. Survival. Yeah. And and that's still there now. But it is it is so nice seeing this this woman or hearing this woman t- talk about like discovering she has a half brother and she's just like, fuck, yeah. Yeah, they're such a you know? modern family in that yeah. sense. I mean, it, yeah, the the discovery of the half brother, also her younger brother struggling with heroin addiction, just like mm-hmm. in the background, this is happening, which yeah. is that that's a story in its own. Yeah, you know, uh, and then of course you know, her her father's suicide ultimately, yeah. while in the middle of the leukemia and the heroin addiction, it's just like. Uh, the way her tone and her cadence in telling the story doesn't quite match the material, but in a way that it's super positive and, and hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, you said point break, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to the extent that this confession is a crappier version of point break, you know, <laughs> um, she almost sells you on it as like, yeah, I want to see that movie. Yeah, right? (laughs) I know there's going to be some random twists that seem like they're part of a different plot line. Mm -hmm. But at the end, you're like, oh, there's there's a cult nostalgia to this story. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I think uh, Wild Child has been uh, a little bit on a break. And uh, it's so nice seeing them get back together and and make a song like this. It's it's a very beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. It captures captures the, the emotion of the confessor in a way that... I hear, like I said, yeah, I hear her saying, but her tone doesn't quite match because it's so happy and positive because she's done the work already. But I, I feel like this song is like shows that process in mm-hmm. a way. shows 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 how she got to where she is. Yeah, and it's it's the part of uh, I don't know. I'm not sure what key the song is in, but something or what mics they use to record it. I know they did it at home, um, so I don't think it was anything too fancy, but it really. Uh, got to the part of Kelsey's voice that I love the most in her mm-hmm. singing. It's just, yeah, it's really wonderful. The theme song to this podcast is written by Walker Lukens, is performed by Walker, myself, Zach Gattanzaro, James Wesley Essery, and engineered by Grant Epley. Going In was written by Kelsey Wilson and Alexander Beggins. It was performed by Kelsey, Alexander, and Tom Myers. It was recorded by those three as well. It was mixed by Jim Eno and mastered by Chris Longwood. The Song Confessional Podcast is produced by myself, Walker Lukens, Aaron Blackerby, Jim Eno, Rylan Kettery, Mike Lee, and KUTX. If you like this podcast, please subscribe wherever it is that you are listening to it. If you really like it, the best and most supportive thing you can do is just to send an episode to a friend who you think would enjoy it.
Thanks again, Wild Child. <laughs>